0: Look at Second Chronicles chapter 13. Look at verse 1. Now in the 18th year of King Jeroboam began Abijah to reign over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriah of Gibeah. And there was war between... Abijah, Abijah, excuse me, Abijah and Jeroboam. And Abijah set the battle in array with an army of valiant men of war, even 400,000 chosen men. Now Jeroboam also set the battle in array against him with 800,000 chosen men, being mighty men of valor. You have the southern, what happened was Israel when, uh, under David was a, was a kingdom. And whenever David, died Solomon became his son became king and whenever his son became king Solomon when Solomon passed away that kingdom got split and that kingdom got split into two different kingdoms it got split into the northern tribes and the southern tribes the northern tribes were known then as Israel and the southern tribes which were the other two tribes Judah and Benjamin were known as Judah and that was where Jerusalem was and God was with Judah The southern tribes. Don't it feel good to be a southerner? (laughs) All right. So uh, he was with the southerners. uh, Abijah. He was with Abijah. Now Jeroboam was coming to attack Abijah. He wanted to take over the whole kingdom. And when he brought with him, he brought with him 800,000 men. Now Abijah, God's side, the one who was on God's side, who God was on his side, he only had 400. So you had 800,000 versus 400,000. This doesn't look good. Amen, it doesn't look good at all. But you know, when you got you and God, you are the majority. Amen, Amen. okay. So verse 4, Abijah, he's going to stand up, and Abijah's going to tell him what the problem is. What's going on here? What's the problem going on here? Well, here's what Abijah says there in verse 4. And Abijah stood up upon Mount Zemiram, which is in Mount Ephraim, and said, Hear me, thou Jeroboam, and all of Israel. Now skip down to verse 10. He's going to sum it up in verse 10. And this is what I want to focus on. Skip down to verse 10. Here's what Abijah sums it up by saying this. But as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken Him. Amen. Abijah sums it up by saying, here's the problem. The problem is, you've forsaken God. We have done what God wants us to do, and you have forsaken God. That's the problem going on here. So I want to talk this morning, speak this morning, preach this morning on forsaking not God. How we need not to forsake God. And Abijah is going to show us all the ways that Jeroboam and his people have forsaken God. And we need to check this stuff out in our lives. Make sure we're not forsaking God in some way, because he's going to give it all up. Now go back up to verse 4. Go back up to verse 4. Now go to verse 4. Now skip to verse 5. Go back up to verse 5. This is what he said when he's on the mountain. This is how he starts it out. Ought ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever, to him and to his sons by a covenant of salt? Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, has risen up and has rebelled against his Lord. The first way that Jeroboam had forsaken God is he would forsaken God's ways. God had a way of doing things. And God's way was he picked David's kids to run this thing. He said, David's sons are going to run this thing. Now Jeroboam didn't like that. Now if you read your Bible, and I encourage you, go back and read this. Solomon's son was a punk. He's a jerk. And he said stuff to the people, to Jeroboam, that I can't repeat from up here. He said some wicked stuff. Go home and read it. But God says, I don't care. That's who I've chosen. (laughs) That's how it's going to be. I've chosen him. And he's pointing out, he said, God has a way of doing things. And God chose David, his sons. And look, gave the kingdom over, verse 5, gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever, even to him and to his sons. And what happened in verse 6? Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the the servant of Solomon, the son of David, is risen up. You're just a servant unto Solomon, and you're trying to rise up and trying to run this show. Guys, Jeroboam had forsaken God's ways. God has ways of doing things, and God has ways that we don't understand. And God has ways of doing things, and we don't need to forsake God's ways. We can't understand God's ways. Keep your hand here. Turn to Isaiah 55. Just keep your hand here, but turn to Isaiah 55. One of the most important scriptures in all of the Old Testament. Uh, You should know this already. But this is one of the most important scriptures in all of the Old Testament. Because it explains God. Don't we all want to get to know God? We all want to know God and how He is. Well, here's what He says. Isaiah 55, verse 8. Isaiah 55, verse 8. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. Look what God says here. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways saith the Lord. What's he telling you there? You don't think like me. And I don't think like you. And my way is not the way you're going to do it. God, does God do everything the way I would do it? No. <laughs> no way. There's, why, there's lots of things I don't understand. Why, God, are you doing it that way? Well, you know what? There's only one opinion that counts around here, and it's not Brother Kiggins' opinion. It's God's opinion. We tell those guys at work all the time, at work, it's always guys with opinions at work. They got opinions, and this should be done this way, and we shouldn't be doing it that way. And I always tell those guys, well, there's only one opinion that's going to count. The boss's opinion. Because see, when his opinion, he gives his opinion, that's the opinion that counts. When God gives you his thought, that's the thought that counts. When God says, this is the way we're going to do it, that's the way it's going to be done. Because he's God. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to even approve it. You don't have to like it. But it's going to happen. Because he says, Look, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. there are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Verse 9 for, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen. You know how wicked it is for me to sit here, up here and say, Well, God needs to do this and God needs to do that. I'm a wicked sinner. I'm a creation of God. God is higher than me. His thoughts are higher than me. He's created me. How can I think that I'm going to be smarter than Him or no more than Him? We get this all the time. We talk about this in Sunday school. We get this all the time with our kids. When you're raising kids, they always think they're smarter than you, amen? When they get to be teenagers, they really think they've learned everything and they don't know squat. And you want to just slap them around. Don't you want to slap them around? Amen. Uh, amen. I thought I'd get an amen out of that. Sometimes you just want to slap some sense into them. You don't think God don't want to slap some sense into us? Amen, he does. Because we're crying and whining. I wish we had to do that. God says, you don't understand anything, so shut your mouth. My way is the way we're going to do it. So what happened was, Jeroboam said, I don't like the way God chose David's kids. And I'm going to run the show like I want to run it. He forsook God's ways. God has a way of doing things. Man don't like God's ways. Amen, man don't like God's ways. Man don't like that God's way is to speak to you through a book called the Holy Bible. Man don't like that. Man tries to create these things where God's going to speak to me through the Holy Spirit and he's going to speak to me through an audible voice and God should do this. No, God said I've established that my word is truth. It's going to come through my word. You're going to find out about God through his words. The Holy Spirit will lead you. He'll guide you. But you want to get to know God? You're going to have to go to his words. Man don't like that. Man don't like the idea that a man can be on his deathbed and can accept Jesus Christ and go to heaven. Man don't like that, see. Man don't like that kind of way. Man says, no, 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 that's not fair. That's not fair. A man should not be able to wait to his deathbed and accept Jesus Christ and go on to heaven. Man says, that's not fair. And what does God say to him? My way is not your way, boy. (laughs) My thought's not your thought. You read that parable by Jesus Christ. He said he... The man went to hire some servants. He went to hire some laborers, and he went out, and he hired them early in the morning. And he says, I'll pay you basically a dollar a day. I'm going to paraphrase. It was one pence, I think. He said, I'll pay you a dollar a day. So the guys came out there, and they started working for this guy. So the owner of the land, he goes back out to the market. It's about 9 o'clock in the morning. And he sees some people standing around. He said, what are you doing out here? Why don't you come to work for me? They said, okay, we'll go to work. So he hired them guys. Well, then he went back into the market about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. There's only a couple of hours left to work. And he says, what are you doing standing around? And these guys say, well, we don't have any work. He goes, well, come work for me. So he goes and he hires those guys for just a couple of hours. At the end of the day, there's guys that have been working eight hours. There's guys that have been working five hours. There's guys that have been working three hours. The man that owns the land, Jesus Christ, said he came and he gave each one of them a dollar. It don't matter if you've been working eight hours, five hours, three hours. And the guys that had been working eight hours, they started grumbling about it, Jesus said. And he, they said, that's not fair. And what did the owner of the land say to those guys? He said, you're going to call my good evil? I want to do something good, are you going to call it evil? If Jesus Christ wants to save somebody at the last hour, that's his Right? That's how good he is. And if you're going to call that good evil, you got something wrong with you. That's something good, amen? Amen. So you think somebody who says something like that doesn't have a father or a mother that's laying on their deathbed about to die and go to hell. Or a grandmother or a granddad, somebody that they love is about to die and go to hell. They don't have somebody like that that they hope gets saved. If you have somebody like that that you love that's laying on their deathbed about to die and you wish they'd accept Jesus Christ, you would hope God's that good. And I'm here to tell you, according to the Word of God, He is that good. But His ways are not our ways. And you know what? I'm thankful for that. Because see, God's ways are not man's ways. And man's ways would be telling us, you've got to go and feed the poor. You've got to go and do that. You've got to be at church every time the doors are open. And, you've got, and then if you'll do all that, then I'll let you into heaven. That, see, that's man's ways. And you've got to say these certain prayers. You've got to take these certain beads. You've got to bow down to these certain images. You've got to go to this certain priest. You've got to go to this certain church. You got See, that's man's way. That's not God's way. Thank God that we are following God's ways. And they had forsaken in God's ways. You know, I worked with the guy who worked in the, who, was, who served in the Navy, and he was on a ship and I, and I hope I'm not lying. I think it was a USS Lexington. And he said, they were down there down in the boiler room, and they had one of the, the, the leaders I don't know who it was, if it was a sergeant or I don't know how, in the Navy how they call him but he said the guys told him. Uh, Tile that up you know put the boiler and get this thing going and they were in a hurry and they didn't it wouldn't seat right there was something about it that didn't seat right in the boiler room and the leader of the, of the men said just put it don't worry about it. let's go so they just kind of put it they just kind of half done it when they went on doing what they're doing later on in that week that boiler blew and there's three men down there boiled them to death Water came out and literally boiled them to death. And he told me the story of having to go down there and get these men. And I'm not going to tell you what they were like. But it was, you can imagine what it was like. And this guy that gave that order to just do it like that. You know what happened to that guy? He's still in prison to this day. He's still in prison to this day. He's going to rot in prison the rest of his life. You know what he did? He didn't want to follow the right way. He wanted to do it his way. And see, when he did it his way, which was just do it, let's leave it, let's go. When he did it his way and then do it the right way, it cost men their lives. God has a way of doing it for a reason. And we need not forsake his ways. Ought you not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over to Israel to David forever. That's verse 5. Amen. That's how God decided it. It, God God decided to do it through a Jew, and that's the way God's going to do it. You might not like the Jew, you might not like Israel, you might hate Jews. I don't care what you think. God says, I've chosen a Jew, and I'm going to do it through a Jew. And man, men don't like that kind of stuff. But you know what? I don't care what men think, I care what God thinks. We need not forsake God's ways. Look at verse 7. Here, he gives another one of these, verse 7. And there are gathered unto him, talking about Jeroboam. There are gathered unto him vain men, the children of Belial. We'd call them the children of the devil, and have strengthened themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, when Rehoboam was young and tender-hearted and could not withstand them. Now that's a little off, right there. Rehoboam was a jerk to them, and you need to go back and read about that. But he's saying Rehoboam didn't couldn't stand up against them. He stood up against them, all right. But look at verse eight, and now you think now ye think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord in the hand of the sons of David. And you be a great multitude, and there are, with, there are with you golden calves, which Jeroboam made you for gods. What Jeroboam did is, he goes, we don't want to worship in Jerusalem anymore. That's Judah. And we're not going to have anything to do with Judah or David. We're not going to be in Jerusalem anymore. Let's make our own place to worship. Let's make our own temple to, to sacrifice in. Let's make our own gods to worship. See, Jeroboam was trying to take away where God had chosen Jerusalem and chosen the city of David. He wanted to take it away. He said, no, no, let's put it over here. And God said, no, I don't care what you think. It's going to be in that city, and that's where you're going to sacrifice. care if you like them or not. And Jeroboam had done that, and he made calves. In verse 8, golden calves, which Jeroboam made you for God's. Look at verse 9. Have you not cast out the priests of the Lord? the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and have made you priests after the manner of the nations of other lands, so that whosoever cometh to consecrate himself with a young bullet and seven rams, the same may be a priest of them that are no gods. He's saying you've set up your own religious system and you've done away with God's men. The second thing you need to know, and Abijah, excuse me, it's pointing out is we don't need to forsake God's men. We need not to forsake God's men and that's what's going on in the church in America we used to have Dwight L. Moody Billy Sunday J. Frank Norris, Lester Roloff great men of God that preached about God and preached powerful and preached the word of God and stepped on your toes and said you need to get right with God they would preach hard and they would preach hell and they would preach hell hot And men needed to hear it. And we changed out the men of God. And we forsook the men of God. And now we've placed up Joe Osteen, Benny Hinn, Creflo Dollar. You can name them. That's what we've exchanged it for. And that's a sad thing to do. What we've done is we want a false reassurance. We want a prosperity message. We want to say that everything's alright with us no matter how we live. That's what we want to hear from the preachers. And God's men didn't preach like that. God's men preached with power. God's men preached repentance. God's men said, you need to get right with God. There's judgment coming. That's how God's men preached. But we didn't like to hear that. And we wanted to forsake God's men that He had sent us to raise up this country. And now we've raised up these other men. And we want these other men, just like Jeroboam's doing, we're going to give you some other men to run things. And I'm here to tell you this morning, things aren't being run very good. Hey, the church is as rich as it's ever been. The church has all these new buildings. The church has new gymnasiums. The church has new programs. And the church is weak as it's ever been. The Holy Spirit is dried up. We need men to show up that will preach. And the Holy Spirit will move. And God will be glorified. We don't need new programs. We need new hearts. Amen. Hearts for God. Amen. We've forsaken the men of God. And when God sends us men into this church and they preach to us, we need to bow down. We need to say, I want to hear from God. Amen. But we got, some of us got an attitude when somebody comes in, we want to sit there and we want to judge them. Say, well, I don't like the way he said that. I don't like the way he talks. He doesn't talk loud enough or he talks too loud. Or we always have this. We'll just sit back and allow God to move. I've told you a hundred times, if you get in here with the right heart, God will speak to your heart. I don't care who's back here. I've had men back here that I didn't think could preach very well, but God spoke to my heart. Man, I had my Bible open. Man, the Lord was speaking to my heart. We need to get our hearts right. We've exchanged all this stuff up, and it don't work that way. It don't work that way at all. For God's men, let me read this to you. I'll read this to you here. Noah's message from the steps going up to the ark was not, something good is going to happen to you. What was Noah's message? Amos was not confronted by the high priest of Israel for proclaiming, confession is profession. Jeremiah was not put into the pit for preaching, I'm okay and you're okay. Daniel was not put into the lion's den for telling people, possibility thinking will move mountains. John the Baptist was not forced to preach in the wilderness and eventually beheaded because he preached, Smile, God loves you. The two prophets of the tribulation will not be killed for preaching. God is in heaven and all is right with the world. What was the single message that every one of these preachers preached? They preached repentance. Amen. Each one of these men of God, when you go into the Old Testament, they preach repentance. They preach God's judgment. They preached get right with God. And that's why they got killed. That's why they got sawn in half. That's why they took Jesus Christ and hung him on a cross. Because he said, You need to repent. Man, he got on them. We need to be, we need to be preached like that. We need not forsake God's men. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. We need a negative message. We want to hear these positive messages. And God does have a positive message for you. But you can't have all positive without the negative. That's imbalanced. That's perverted. You can't have love without hate. You've got to have it balanced. And th- these preachers rise up and they only want to give you the positive. They only want to give you the positive. They only want to talk about heaven. They only want to talk about prosperity. They don't understand prosperity. Prosperity isn't having money in the bank. Prosperity isn't having a new car or a new house. Prosperity is having love and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. That's prosperity in God's eyes. Because you can have a new car and a new house, and you cannot have peace with God, and you'll be miserable. Amen. You look at somebody like Robin Williams, one of the funniest men to ever walk in America. He is funny. He had everybody love him. He had all the money you can want. And I figured if he wanted anyone, he could have all the women he wanted. And what did Robin Williams do? He hung himself. He killed himself. Most of these people you see, these stars, these Rock and roll stars, these movie stars, they're miserable. They don't have no peace. They don't have no love. They don't have no joy. Real prosperity comes when God gives you all the love and joy and peace you can handle. That's real prosperity. Man, you could be living in a mansion and be miserable. I'd rather be living in a shack and have Jesus Christ. That's real peace. That's real prosperity. That's a message that needs to be preached. It's Jesus Christ. It's not money, it's not prosperity, it's not give me some money or come on in here, God loves everybody. That's not the message God had. That's not the message God wants to give everybody. The message God wants to give everybody that there's a hell waiting for you. You're condemned already. You need Jesus Christ. That's the message. The only reason I have joy, the only reason I have peace is not because I've done anything great. It's because I've took that free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. That's it. Amen. That's it right there. Look at verse 10. You know, we need to move along. But as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken Him. And the priests which minister unto the Lord are the sons of Aaron. And the Levites wait upon their business, and they burn unto the Lord every morning and every evening burnt sacrifices and sweet incense, the showbread also set they in order upon the pure table and the candlestick of gold with the lamps thereof to burn every evening. For we keep the charge of the Lord our God, but ye have forsaken Him. The third thing they've done, and he's pointed out here, is they've forsaken God's service. They've forsaken God's service. You know where I'm going with this. They're not going to church anymore. Nobody's doing God's service. God has a service He wants done, and who's doing it? Look, it's a service. Look, it's a service, verse 11. And they burn into the Lord every morning and every evening. This isn't just on Sunday, guys. This isn't just just, on a Wednesday night. This is every evening and every morning, every morning and every evening. This is a daily thing. There's a service God has for you. He wants you doing daily. Who's forsaking God's service? Most Christians. And you can put me in that lump. I need to do a better job. I need to do a better job of serving God daily. I don't need to be forsaking God. God has a plan. God has a way of doing things. He's got it all lined out. Amen. He's got a plan lined out. How he wants it done. It's amazing. How he wants it done. God's service every morning and every evening. God's service is a daily life. It's not just going to church on Sunday. Only one life... Soon will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Amen. Amen. We live this life and we're so focused on what the world has for us and what we can do for the world and we're forgetting that we're trying to do it for Jesus Christ. Because See, only what we do for Christ is what's going to last. That little poem right there, that's a good one. Only one life soon will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Amen. We're living in a society that has forsaken God and forsaken God's service. You talk to people and say, well, um, I'd like to invite you to church or I want to talk to you about the Lord. The first thing they'll tell me is, I don't, I don't believe you have to go to church. I don't believe you have to go to church. You know why they're saying that? Because they've forsaken God's service. I don't believe it. I don't care what you believe. God said not to forsake the assembly together ourselves, together. God has a way of doing things. Did we not establish that? <laughs> God has a way of doing things, and when you're not in church, you're not doing it God's way. I like to tell those people, and you can tell them I said this, and you can tell them you said it, and I don't care, but I like to tell them this. You know what in Revelation, you know what Jesus Christ was writing to in Revelation? The book of Revelation goes, I want you to write this letter, John, and I want you to send it to what? He told John, I want you to send it to what? Send this letter to the churches. Not to the church, not to a body of believers and spiritually a body of believers we know as a church, but to churches, one in Ephesus, one in Pergamos, one in Philadelphia, to churches. And let me tell you something. If you weren't in church, you didn't get the letter. Amen. Amen. Get your rear end into church. That's where you need to be. God's moving through the churches. God's working through the churches. That's God's way. We don't need to come up with a new plan and say, well, I'm going to go over here and start doing it. You need to go into church and build up God's way of doing things. See, people don't like I can feel the resistance when I preach this. But I don't care. I'm going to stomp on it. We need to be in church. And if you're not in church, you're not around the Holy Spirit moving. I've been in church when the Holy Spirit's moving. I've been in church when the Holy Spirit's working on my heart. But that rarely ever happens outside of church. Only when I'm in prayer trying to get close to God in personal devotion. I've never been in Walmart when the Holy Spirit's moved on my heart and brought me into conviction. I've never been at work when the Holy Spirit's moved on my heart. Listen, the Holy Spirit moves in the churches when His people are around. When two or more gather together in my name, I'll be in the midst of them. A church doesn't necessarily have to have a building. It's got to be a group of believers joining together. The Lord's in here this morning. He's in here this morning. Amen. We don't need to forsake him. We don't need to forsake God's service. Listen, there was a guy that was in a, this is way back in the stagecoach days, and he was uh, gone up, he wanted to ride the stagecoach, and he got up there, and he saw that there was first class, there was second class, and there was third class. And he looked at the price of the tickets, and he noticed that the price of the tickets for third class was a whole lot less than first class. But he looked at the stagecoach, and he said, they're all the same seats. I mean, there's really no difference in there. So he just bought a ticket for third class. That's what we would do, amen. 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 So he gets in there, and he gets in the stagecoach. He'd never been on stagecoach before, and here we go. And he's so proud of himself that he bought third class tickets and saved the money over the person that's right across the seat from him. In first class, he thought he's laughing to himself. You know? And they're bouncing along and they're bouncing along. We come up to this big, long, old hill. And they're starting to get up the hill, and they started having trouble. And the guy up there riding, driving the stagecoach goes, okay, first class, stay in your seats. Second class, get out and walk. Third class, get out and push. <laughs> he, found, he found out real quick that we, it's not good to be in third class. We need more third class Christians. Amen. We need more Christians that aren't sitting around just waiting to get to heaven. We don't need second class Christians that are sitting there walking around not doing anything for the Lord. We need more third class Christians who are willing to get out and push. Amen. Amen. That's what we need. Hey, if you want to grow something to last a season, you plant a flower. If you want to grow something that lasts a lifetime, you plant a tree. You want to grow something that's going to last eternity, you plant a church. That's what all that's about. We send these people over to plant churches. We're trying to do something for God. God's still has got a service he wants done. And if you're not in the church, you're forsaking God's service. I stand on what I preach. I preach it because I believe that's what the Word of God teaches. Amen. We've forsaken God's service. Verse 12 And behold, but verse 12 And behold, God Himself is with us for our captain. And his priests with sounding trumpets to cry alarm against you, O children of Israel, fight you not, fight ye not against the Lord God of your fathers, for ye shall not prosper. He says, listen, you're going to fight against us, you're fighting against the Lord. And if you're fighting against the Lord, you're not going to prosper. When you forsake God, verse 12 tells us, when you forsake God, ye will not prosper. When you forsake God, you're not going to prosper. It's not going to happen. Everything we have from God is because we've not forsaken God. And He loves us and He just gives it to us out of His free grace and love. And when you forsake God, you're never going to prosper. People say, what's wrong with America? You know, we had a, we had a, a guy running for president Let's make America great again. Let's make America great again. Well, the reason why America's not great is because we're forsaking God. It's a real simple formula. We get back to God, this country is going to be great again. You get away from God, you forsake God, you won't prosper. It's truth. I don't care. You don't need to be an analyst. You don't need to be going on Fox News and look at all the data of the stock market. You don't need to look and say, okay, what we need to do is we need to have growth here in the economy and we need to start doing this with, our, with the borders. And we no, we don't. What we need to do is get back right with God. Amen. And if we get back right with God, everything will fall into place. Amen. You know, these men that created this country, they, you know, they were smart men, but we're not, they didn't know anything about the economy like they know nowadays. They don't know all this stuff. They didn't have these computers to put all this data in. They just said, we're going to create this nation on God. Amen. And God's going to be the leader of this nation, and we're going to be under God. And, but I think, I think it worked out pretty well for them. And now that this nation's falling down, people, what's wrong? What's wrong? We need to vote the right woman in. No, we need, what we need to do is get right with God. Amen. That's why people say, well, did you go and vote? Yeah, I went and voted. Who'd you vote for? I'd write in candidate, and they always look at me. Jesus Christ. That's exactly what I did. Go in there, write in candidate. J-E-S-U-S-C-H-R-I-S-T. Jesus Christ. Because that's what this world needs. Look, it don't matter who you vote for president. Jesus Christ is still king. He thinks, I know y'all think I'm crazy. And I know I am crazy. (laughs) I'm a little half nuts. Ask my mom, my mother-in-law. Ask my wife. I am half crazy. But at least I'm going to be crazy on Jesus' side. You know, that's, that's the point. I'm going to be crazy on Jesus' side. All right, let's look at verse 13. We've got to finish this up. But Jeroboam caused an ambushment to come about behind them. See when he's speaking all this and he's telling them why they've why what's going on here. What's wrong is they've forsaken God and he gives them all the right ways they've forsaken God. Jeroboam he's sneaking up behind them and to come about behind them so they were before Judah and the ambushment was behind them so they're surrounded. Verse fourteen and when Judah looked back and behold the battle was before and behind and they cried unto the Lord and the priests sounded with the trumpets then the men of Judah gave a shout. And as the men of Judah shouted, it came to pass that God, who did it? God smote Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah. And God delivered them into their hand. Amen. Amen. Abijah, excuse me. Yeah, then the men of Judah gave a shout in verse 17. And Abijah and his people slew them with a great slaughter. So there fell down slain of Israel 500,000 chosen men. Woo! 500,000 men died just that one battle. God got a hold of them. Amen. Amen. God got a hold of them. It said God delivered them. It said God smote them. God was behind all that. God wins the battles for America. It isn't our military. It's God. Amen. Amen, it is. And verse 18, Thus the children of Israel were brought under at that time, and the children of Judah prevailed. Why did they prevail? Because they relied upon the Lord God of their fathers. Amen. Amen. To not forsake God is to rely on Him. Amen. Okay? So you've got to say, when you don't forsake God's ways, when you don't forsake God's men, when you don't forsake God's service, you're relying on God and He and you will prevail. Amen. It's just a simple thing of not forsaking God. It's just a simple thing to say, I don't understand why you're doing it. I don't understand your ways, God. I don't understand sometimes why you put the men running things like you put the men running things. Lord, I don't understand why we're doing the service that we're doing for you. But I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to stick with you. And I'm going to rely on you. And you know what? God will show up for you. <laughs> I like it when Jesus is giving them all these hard sayings in Genesis, I mean John chapter 6. I mean, you gotta eat my flesh, you gotta drink my blood. I mean, hard sayings. And the Bible said they were hard sayings. And the Bible says in, in John 6, 66, that a lot of his disciples left after that. They couldn't handle it. And so Jesus turned and said, You're gonna leave me too? You know what Peter said? Peter said, Where else are we gonna go, Lord? Where else are we gonna go? I believe you are the Christ and you have the words, of, the words of life. What's he saying? I don't understand what you just said, but where else am I going to go? <laughs> Listen, that's where I am. I don't understand why God does things. I don't understand everything about the Bible, but where else am I going to go? <laughs> I'm convinced that that's the words of life. Now, do I, do I know everything? About? No. Do I understand everything? No. Do I know how everything's going to turn out? But by revelation, I do. Do I know how my life's going to turn out? Not really, but I, I don't know where else I'm going to go. That's it. It's Jesus Christ. I'm not Peter. Lord, I don't understand what you just said, but you know, you're who you are. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Take it or leave it. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13 in closing, please. And I promise you we're done here. Hebrews 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. I want to say something in closing real quick. Aren't you glad God is not like us? Amen. Because you know what? I know something. Y'all might, I might, I'm real good friends with a lot of y'all. I think every one of y'all, and I might forsake you. I hate to say that, but you know, I'm a wicked sinner. And there might be a, come a time I might forsake you. And I love every one of y'all, but there might come a time y'all might forsake me. Amen. Amen. I've had some loved ones that have forsaken me. I've had some family that's forsaken me. And we've forsaken God. If we're honest with ourselves, there's times in our lives that we've forsaken God. Amen. But you know why I love God? Because He's not like you and He's not like me. Amen. And Hebrews thirteen five says this about Him. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For He had said, I will never, never leave thee nor forsake thee. Praise God that God's not like us. Praise the Lord that He's not like us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. We might leave God. We might leave His service. might leave His men. We might forsake His men. We might forsake His ways. But there's one thing about God. Once you've took Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, He's never going to forsake you. Amen. Man, that's a good feeling. I'm glad He's not like me. I'm glad He doesn't think like me. Praise the Lord. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did and I've never been the same and this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me now we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com until next time Casting all your care upon him